Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations off the latest menu of science fiction movies and television shows. Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe place where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversation regarding your science fiction movies and television shows. This I'm your host, Scott, and uh, with me today is supposed to be Matt. I'm still uh, having some communication difficulties here from this end, so I'm going to try and bring him on a little bit later on in the show after we get the ball rolling. We're going to talk about a couple of things um, we're going to briefly touch on some of the shows that I've been watching. Don and I are actually supposed to talk about this a little bit more in detail uh, in the upcoming nights here. But I did want to put this podcast out to focus primarily on The Watchmen uh, because I have my ticket in hand and I am excited to see this. A little bit of trepidation in there, a little bit of fear and trepidation you're hearing, but that's what I'm looking at. We're going to talk a little bit. Of, I'm going to give you some news that's going on in the science fiction world, and uh, that's about it. So I guess let's move into our news segment first. In today's sci-fi news... Greetings. In this evening's science fiction and fantasy news, where we're looking primarily at a lot of the science fiction shows that we watch and are interested in, but we'll bring you some other news as well that, who knows, you just might find worth your while. Let's start with The Fringe. The big news with The Fringe right now, other than that it's on hiatus till April 5th or 7th or whenever that date is, it's just ungodly long, that's for sure. But the big news is that The Fringe, which happens to be set in Boston but filmed in Long Island, is moving for next season, I believe it is, up to Vancouver. A little bit odd. You would think since uh, Boston uh, has – and Massachusetts has movie credit or tax credits or whatever they get for doing those things that they might actually consider actually filming in Boston. Because there have been some errors as far as places they've called different like airports and stuff like that that aren't really the right airports. Whatever. Anyways, they're moving into Vancouver. I don't know if personally this is such a big deal to me. I mean, Stargate was shot there for many years. X-Files was shot there. And some really good TV has come out of Vancouver. I don't know if it's such a big deal. But that's probably the latest news. As far as the Sarah Connor Chronicles, 
are going, they seem to be headed for termination. We don't have any official word in that, but just past week's episode brought in just 3.4 million viewers. That is low, low, low. So uh, we don't have high hopes. I still like the show, personally. Uh, in fact, I thought that this, uh, these past couple of episodes have seemed to have somewhat of an X-File-ish twist, and I'm a huge X-Files fan, at least back in the day I was, and, uh, and, and I love to see that sort of stuff played out. In other news, Stargate Universe has added to its list of actors that have joined the show. It's currently in production in none other than Vancouver, and a couple of named actors have been already added. I mentioned on my Twitter account that Robert Cooper and Brad Wright, who are the creators of this show, have just cast, or whoever's casting for him has cast Lou Diamond Phillips, who you'll know from Numbers, or La Bamba. I kind of remember him also from, uh, what was it, a Young Guns 1 and 2, back in the day, dating myself there. Also, uh, and he's cast as Career's Colonel Telford, and then Elena Huffman from Smallville and Painkiller Jane, really short-lived show, will play a medic to the crew of the vessel flung into the far reaches of the universe. Also, Ma Ning from ER is confirmed this week in the role of Camille Ray, a high-maintenance executive trapped with the crew. That ought to be interesting. Also, already cast in the sci-fi epic series are Robert uh, Carlisle, I believe you say his last name. He's from Full Monty. Justin Lewis from the Andromeda Strain and Durham County. Don't know what that is. David Blue from Ugly Betty. Brian J. Smith from Hate Crime. And Jam- Jamil Walker-Smith from Bones and Cold Case. Ooh, I wonder who he played in Bones. My wife and I love to watch Bones. Other interesting news, and Don will have a lot to comment on this. Smallville is just not what it was back in its glory days. But we will have one more season. One more season. CW re- renewed Smallville and Supernatural. Uh, the surprise here is maybe not so much Supernatural, but Smallville. Uh, to bring him into what would be the ninth season for Smallville. It was a wholesome show till about... The fourth season, and then it just went downhill. Some good Justice League episodes mixed in there, but just not what we're looking for. Wow, this is exciting news this next beat. Futurama might be back. The once-canceled Fox animated series might be getting a second lease on its life thanks to syndication numbers that are strong and DVD sales. And uh, they are considering a sixth season so this will be uh maybe there's some hope for firefly bringing it back after all the strong sales and stuff who knows and actually i just was reading somewhere that uh they may bring back firefly it'll probably be in a different art incarnation so it won't be the the cast and part of what just made that uh such a great show was the cast so we'll see just a little bit about movie news samuel jackson with ours is is working on a nine picture deal that would keep jackson playing the Shield, director Nick Fury in Iron Man 2, and eight other Marvel films. This is good news. We're going to have some consistently. At least the plan is in the works. It's leading, Marvel, of course, is leading up to its much-anticipated Avengers movie and another films that are kind of rumored to be in the pipeline, including Thor and Captain America. Man, we'd we'll love to see that. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and just one other piece of movie news. Total Recall, you know that old Schwarzenegger's flick way back in the 80s, is getting, actually 1990 they said it came out, is getting a remake. They're looking at, they're in discussion for that. So we'll see what comes out of that, and that's your news for this week on Dining at the End of the Universe. 
in a time when men were searching. In a time when all seemed lost. There came a man, and he alone opened a restaurant. And in that restaurant, he showed movies. All right, today in movies, in the movie segment today, we are going to be talking about the Watchmen. Uh, so the release of the Watchmen, of course, it coincides with something called the Tales of the Black Freighter, which the lead that was the lead in uh, 300 is in that animated movie, I believe it is. And it's a story that was released kind of to go along with the Watchmen's being released this weekend, uh, March 6th in theaters. So I'm set to go 6.45 and I have my ticket. Now, if you have never, ever read the Watchmen novels, what I'm going to give you is a little brief synopsis of what goes on in the story. Now, if you don't want to hear this and you want to be totally surprised about what's going on in that movie when you step into the theater on Friday, then please skip forward in this. But if you kind of want to know a little bit more about the story, about this graphic novel that everyone's been bragging to be the ultimate of ultimate graphic novels, then, then tune in here. I'm just going to read down through a quick summary of this. The Watchmen, first of all, is set in an alternate reality. It closely mirrors the contemporary world of the 1980s. The primary point of divergence is the presence of superheroes, because obviously we don't have them in our world. And the existence, their existence is kind of, you know, given an alternate timeline for America. So, for example, we won the Vietnam War, the president presidency of Richard Nixon, you know, isn't as tainted. Commonly, the, the, the Watchmen are really referred to as superheroes in there, but there's really only one of these characters that has any superhuman powers, and that's Dr. Manhattan. The existence of Dr. Manhattan gives the, U, the U.S. a strategic advantage over the Soviet Union, which has increased tensions between the new two nations. Dr. Manhattan, by the way, there has to be the association between that and the Manhattan Project. Additionally, superheroes have become unpopular among the public and have led to, which has led to the passage of legislation in 1977 to outlaw the, them. Many of these superheroes are retired. Dr. Manhattan and Comedian, another superhero, operate as a government-sanctioned agent, our agents in Roush, I'm totally pronouncing that name wrong. I'm going to get tons of calls on that one. Continues to operate outside the law. So three kind of an operation. So that's kind of what sets up the movie. And so here's kind of the plot summary then of the uh, the movie that's coming out. In October of 1985, New York City police are investigating the murder of Edward Blake. With the police having no leads, costume vigilante, Roush, again, I'm totally botching that name, decides to probe further, discovering Blake to be the face behind the comedian, a costume hero employed by the United States government. Roche believes that he discovered a plot to eliminate costume adventurers and sets about warning the four of his retired comrades. Uh, the Night Owl, uh, Dr. Manhattan, his lover, Laurie, wow, I can't even pronounce that name, are also known as the Silk Spectre, and Ozymandias, beautiful poem that that comes from. 
After Blake's funeral, Dr. Manhattan is accused on national television of being the cause of cancer in friends and former colleagues. Hmm, a little bit of nuclear stuff going on there. When the U.S. government takes the accusation seriously, Manhattan exiles himself to Mars. In doing so, he throws humanity into political turmoil with the Soviet Union invading Afghanistan to capitalize on the perceived American weakness. Rauch paranoid beliefs appear vindicated when Adrian narrowly survives the the assassination attempt. Rauch himself is framed for murder and imprisoned. Jaded in a relationship and no longer kept on retainer by the government, the Silver Spectre stays with Dryberg. They don their costumes and resume vigilante work as they grow closer together. With Dryberg starting to believe in some aspects of Rauch's conspiracy, theory, the pair taken upon themselves to free him from prison. Dr. Manhattan, after analyzing his own personal history, places the fate of his involvement with human affairs in Spectre's hands. He teleports her to Mars to make the case for emotional investment. During the course of the argument, the Spectre is forced to come to terms with the fact that Blake, who once attempted to rape her mother, was her biological father. This discovery reengages Dr. Manhattan's interest in humanity because as you see in the trailers, he says, what has humanity done for me on earth? Night Owl and Roash continue to uncover the conspiracy surrounded by the death of the comedian and the accusation that drove Dr. Manhattan into exile. They discovered the evidence that Adrian might be behind the plan. The pair then confront vet at his Antarctic retreat Vet, vet, V-E-I-D-T, Vet, I don't, know if that, I don't know if I'm totally botching that name too, explains his underlying plans to save humanity from the impending nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union by faking an alien invasion in New York City, which he hopes will unite the nations against a perceived common enemy. He also reveals that he has killed the comedian, arranged for Dr. Manhattan's past associates to con- contract cancer, and staged the attempt on his own life in order to place himself above a suspicion. Finding his logic callous and abhorrent, Dryberg and Rorsch attempt to stop him, but discover the vet has already enacted his plan. When Dr. Man- when Dr. Manhattan and Silver Spectre arrive back to Earth, they are confronted by the mass destruction and wide-scale death in New York City. Dr. Manhattan notices his abilities are limited by the tachyons emanating from the Antarctic, and the pair teleport there. They discover Vet's involvement and confront him. Vet shows everyone... News broadcast confirming the celestation of global hostilities, leading almost to the present degree that concealing the truth from the public is the best interest of the world. Roche refuses to compromise and leaves, intent on revealing the truth. As he's making his way back, he's confronted by Manhattan. Roche tells Manhattan he'll have to kill him to stop him from exposing Vet and his actions, and Manhattan responds by vaporizing him. Hmm, I guess he's dead. Manhattan then wanders through the base and finds Vet who asks Manhattan if he did the right thing in the end. In response, Manhattan states that nothing ever ends before leaving Earth for a different galaxy. Dryberg and Silver Spectre go into hiding under new identities and continue their romance. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Now, I did not grow up reading these comics. Uh, Don uh, was very familiar with them. I don't know if he ever read them. And Matt, uh, of course, has read them, and he would really be the expert here on this. But uh, I did not grow up reading comics. Uh, You know, I have watched a lot of comic book movies. The old Batman, 
please let's never speak of them again. And and obviously the newest Batman, Superman, uh, Spider-Man, and all those that have just come out. So the fact that another superhero movie co- was coming out really got my attention. Uh, and the fact, too, that it's not this utopia of, of superheroes, but we're looking at kind of this whole dystopia idea, the world being disenfranchised with uh, superheroes. I guess there's a little bit of that in The Incredibles, but quite a different movie. Now, here's the thing. You know, I'm ex- you know after seeing the trailer, I am absolutely ecstatic. In fact, let me play it here. It's going to be a two-minute clip, so uh, just bear with me, and then I'll come back after This movie looks great. Tons of action, uh, superheroes kind of taking, you know, we have spacecraft. We have everything going on in this movie that excites me. I have a slight concern. Um, I watched 300, and while I was thoroughly impressed with 300 and the way it was filmed and everything, the thing that kind of turned me off is, is a feeling that there was just a little bit too much, and I really don't mean him to be a prude, but I really hate when you just throw in nudity for the sake of throwing in nudity. Now, if it fits in with the character, great. But this film is rated R, and one of the reasons is for the sensuality and nudity in it. Same director who directed 300, which is why I'm bringing that up. So this is not enough to keep me from going to see the movie, but it is one of the things that I wish... They could film a movie without throwing all that junk in. Uh, fine. If I want to see that, great. I'll look at my wife. But I really, you know, I really, 
I really don't need to see that, you know, in, in my movies, in my movies. So anyways, that's just my thoughts. Uh, totally excited about 300. Again, a little bit of synopsis there on 300 and I am excited about it. And uh, if I don't get Matt on here regarding uh, his thoughts on the Watchmen uh, before, we definitely are going to hear a follow-up to what he thought about the Watchmen. Let me go ahead and try and give him a call again. And I'm still having trouble getting a hold of Matt. Uh, Not a real big deal here. Um, But anyways, those are my thoughts on... uh, Those are my thoughts on... The Watchmen, I'm looking forward to it, and you'll hear my thoughts after we go see it this weekend. We're flying a lot blinder than usual here. We need to get our bearings. I think we need to talk to Mr. Universe. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of our television shows that we've been watching. And I'm going to briefly mention some of the ones that I've been watching. One of the ones I can tell you I've been watching is, of course, Battlestar Galactica. We don't talk about it much in the show, but I I love this show. The thing that really makes a show for me is the cast, of course, and I'm so sad it's coming to an end. But I am excited about uh, the episodes they've been airing. This past one where they kind of delve into the fact, the hint that <clears throat> Katie Slackoff's character is it is actually maybe Cylon. She has that melody rattling around her cage. And so that's kind of interesting. And Hera's kidnapped. Some big things going on here and what that means. And did Boomer, you know, you know kind of pull the wool over her ex-husband's eyes? Well... We'll see, but it seems that way. It seems like this has altered everything and damaged Galactica even further. Anyways, really enjoying the show, really enjoying uh, some of the things about that show. So very, very, very cool. Um, I believe that's it. Uh, We're going to talk about Dollhouse, I imagined, uh, in the next coming nights when Don's on and also Sarah Connor Chronicles as well as our good friend Heroes. Oh, I've been loving Heroes. Heroes is absolutely phenomenal. And also 24, which isn't really sci-fi, but it has that thrill element and gadgetry element that I guess you could call kind of sci-fi that goes into it. All right, well, that's all that we're going to do for Dining at the End of the Universe today. Again, if you want to comment on anything we're saying about talking about in the show, you can call us at 717-983-4314 or you can email us at zogpod at gmail.com. All right. Thanks. Bye.